This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to For the Shire, by the Shire. Each week, we speak to property and finance professionals working in and around the Sutherland Shire. Discover insider tips and tricks from the Shire's leading experts on how to get ahead in today's market. Introducing your host, Nathan Smith, the Director and Senior Mortgage Broker at the award-winning Birdie Wealth. Welcome back to another episode of For the Shire, By the Shire. Today, I'm joined by the newest directors of Fox and Wood. Uh, Jed and Danny have joined us today and... um, They've both a very similar story. They actually started in real estate at the age of 17. They started washing cars, delivering contracts, and then progressed through uh, to assistant property managers, senior property managers, then moved across into that sales role uh, and eventually started selling properties. The natural progression for them now is to move into business ownership. Uh, Jed and Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, cheers, mate. Pretty close to launch. We, we're getting closer and closer to the day now where we can uh, finally get it up and launched. Yeah, checking the mailbox, checking the inbox every day. Take us back to when you were 17. What drew you to property? Mate, I was drawn to property through experiences that I had when I was a teenager, my mum and dad buying and selling and interacting with the agents that were out and about at that time. And then I ended up doing work experience three times during high school. And during my last stint of work experience, actually saw a job advertised in the newspaper as they were back in 1998 and uh, filled out my resume, handed it in and was lucky enough to have three job interviews, got the job and the rest is history. So this is pre-seek, you were uh, pre-seek, pre-seek, pre-internet, you were... I didn't even have a, uh, uh, an email account at that point in time. And Danny, what about yourself? Yeah, and for me, are what, you post seek or are you? Is nah, there, still. So this is back in two thousand and three. So, sometimes that gap between two thousand and three and two thousand thirteen is just lost <laughs> on me. But um, my my parents told me a story. But then I was born in the states, moved here when I was two and a half. But they told me a story about a property, the first property that they bought back in Australia, and they, they met an agent in Engadine. Saw some houses in Engadine, didn't really like them. He took them for a drive in his car through the National Park and showed them a house at Helensburg, and they're like, this is a bloody amazing home, but the drive is just terrible. Drove them back on the highway, and they were back in Engadine in 15 minutes, and they thought, yeah, this is the one. And they told me that story about an agent that was able to help them, and I thought, well, you know, this is something that interests me, and here we are 18 years later. So you've started from the bottom, working your way all the way through. Um, It seems that... Agents are coming into the industry now in a slightly different way, perhaps not going through the, the property management role so much. They're moving straight into like that assistance role and going through. What do you think you've learned by, by starting right at the bottom from washing cars and delivering contracts to, to where you are today, Jen? Mate, I reckon the thing that I've learned starting from the, the ground up is all of the interactions that you have with all the different people in the community. So, um, yeah, Nothing's below you. You're washing the cut the boss's car. You're delivering the contract. So what that enabled me the opportunity to do is actually build a relationship with solicitors and conveyances, finance brokers when I was doing the running around, um, then dealing with tradespeople and tenants who are an important part of the community when I was in the rental side of things. But most importantly, dealing with the inevitable disputes and uh, communications that need to be had that sometimes they're, they're a difficult conversation, but I was 21 years old and I was telling landlords, look, stop being a tight ass. You need to spend $1,500 on a new hot water system so that we're not continually sending a plumber out for you know 
uh, tidy up band-aid jobs and that just sort of came naturally to me then when I was talking to buyers and sellers within the selling buying and selling community I was able to say to them look guys you've been on for three years you've already cost yourself about $150,000 by not making a decision how much longer are you going to wait? So those those tough conversations are there regardless of if it's yeah the, the landlord or right through to somebody buying or selling. Absolutely. But what I've noticed is some of the agents coming in nowadays, and you know, good luck to everybody out there having a crack, but they pussyfoot around what is a really straightforward conversation. As an example, an owner's $150,000 overpriced. Well, look, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you might think that they're all clowns out there because they're making an offer $150,000 below your asking price, but at the moment there's 10 clowns out there and you're the person that still lives in a house you don't want to live in. Probably not what they want to hear, but they need to hear it. Yeah, we, we have a similar phrase in our office. It's a famous phrase talking about eating the frogs. So having that tough conversation yeah. early in the morning, getting it out of the way and, and yeah. moving through your day, it's... um. It's not comfortable, but but once it's done, you can get on with it and actually get a result for someone. 100%. Danny, starting back in 2003 to today, what's some things that just haven't changed? They're universal regardless of how you market a property or or the different generations. What's something that's just consistent? The the thing that's consistent is that every single person is different. And I think whether it's helping somebody buy, lease, sell a property, it's about – listening to that person's situation and helping them solve their problem because anyone that's moving for whatever reason they essentially have a problem they might be in a two-bedroom unit and they've got two kids well they're moving regardless of what the market's doing Um, and while there's different means of selling a property you know we're selling properties through social media these days that wasn't there back in 2003 Um, helping people and understanding how we solve their problems is never going to change uh, Jed, how does the media play a part in what you guys are doing? I mean, you, you're sitting there on the ground at the moment. Um, you know, we'd say we're in a, a bit of a tougher time at the moment for, for agents. What do you see on the ground compared to what is being fed through through the headlines? So what I see on the, on, on the real estate framework right now is that there's a really low supply of property for sale. The Sutherland Shire specifically, there's 734 properties for sale. And that is an incredibly low number. Now, when, even when there's a 1,000 buyers are quite often say, oh, there's not much out there. What have you got for me? So we've got a real low supply and a very healthy demand. I know plenty of people that want to buy real estate. But the media are so focused on selling stories. They'll talk about, you know, ANZ yesterday was saying, oh, no, we won't be able to save people from their mortgages and all that rubbish. But a really interesting fact, I've got a friend that works at a local hospital in the um, maternity ward. Thanks to lockdown, there's a hell of a lot of pregnancies happening. I also have a lot of contacts with solicitors. Yeah, surprise, surprise, there's a few separations that are taking place. People are still in a need to buy and sell for whatever their reason. It's just like Danny was saying. Everyone's going to have their good problem, bad problem, upsize, downsize, whatever it is. Um, the wheels are going to keep on turning. Let's talk about the Shire as a whole. Um, you guys have started your career here and, and always worked in that area. I'll start with Danny, but I might get an answer from both of you. What draws people to the Shire? It's, it, it's got everything. We're actually meeting more people that are coming out of the eastern suburbs or the inner west even because they're realising that as far as distance from the city, it might be a little bit further, but transport-wise, you can be in the CBD in 35 minutes on the train from Sutherland, a little bit further from further out, but you've got the beaches, you've got retail, you've got cafes, uh, you've got good schools. Yeah, you've basically got access to everything that family living needs, um, and, and I think that's one of the, yeah, the, the real attractions to the area. 
getting a better value perhaps in the eastern suburbs. And I'm sure there'll be parts, parts of the eastern suburbs where you take longer than 35 minutes to get to the CBD from. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you, you know, you sell your million dollar unit in Randwick or Coogee or something like that, and you want to buy the next thing up, unless you've got three to four million dollars, you're probably not going to get it. So a good second option or a good compensation is you come to the Shire, you can get a 560 square meter block and a beautiful home and still commute to the city in 35, 40 minutes. Um, that's almost a no brainer. Absolutely, Jed. I reckon um, rather than talking about people from the eastern suburbs in the west, a lot of people want to live the dream and live in Cronulla. And so their starting point will be a two-bedroom, even a one-bedroom unit in Cronulla is their starting point. But then they have kids or they get married and their life evolves and they think, okay, well, what else can we afford? So then their stepping stone quite often just means that they come back, say, towards Miranda or they go Kirawee, Janali, Sutherland, Loftus, Bangor, Menai, but people are wanting to stay in the, in the Shire because of the shopping facilities, the you know, families nearby, national parks, beaches, all the things that we're, we're aware of, and of course the transportation that Danny mentioned, but um, working from home is now a new thing, and it's pretty cool to be able to you know, live and work within the Sutherland Shire and have everything at your doorstep. Yeah, we're not as reliant on that CBD central uh, district now, aren't we, and um yeah, I think not only the Shire, but I think up and down the south, south and north coast, we're going to see uh, more people moving, taking that Sydney money and Sydney wage, but getting uh, a bit of value and a bit of lifestyle. Yeah, uh, I saw an article along those lines recently. Yeah, and it'd certainly help property prices, actually. We wouldn't have such a strong demand and limited space if we can spread out up and down that coast a little bit more. Let's talk first of all about buying a property. So that's a it's pretty stressful, right? There's not too many times you do it, and I'm sure. And I think you guys have both bought properties before, and um, and even working in the industry, suddenly when you've got the buyer's hat on, it's just this, this whole range of emotions is going. What's the more uh, complex and confusing parts of the process, and where should people be going to for guidance, Danny? I get a lot of friends that ask me that, that are first time home buyers, and it's it's surprising how naive some of them may be to, to the process. Um, I think that the fact that they reach out to, to myself or somebody that's in the industry for help is always beneficial. So I think getting an understanding on what your budget is and going and speaking to a good loan, a good mortgage broker is, is very, very important. There's no point in going and looking at a million dollar home if you can comfortably spend $600,000. Um, I think speaking to an agent that you know and that you trust um, and getting some guidance on what you can then get for that budget and then just dipping your toe in the water and, and going out and seeing some homes. Jed, when you're out looking at homes, you know, you as a buyer, what are some things that you think um, are underappreciated that people don't put enough emphasis on and, and, and are some great, great selling points on a property? Well, I've bought four properties in my adult lifetime, and my wife's chosen all four. Um, but most normally the way. Yeah, it's normally the way. You know, I think that's. Um, Something that I or something I enjoy being open and honest about because think, people think, oh, you're a real estate agent, you must know all these smart things to do. Well, what I'm most interested in doing is speaking to the neighbours because you cannot change your neighbours once you've moved into a property. I'm not scared of meeting strangers. So before I've bought any or we've bought any of those properties, my wife's picked the, the ones she wanted. And just to be sure, I've gone and introduced myself to several of the neighbours so that we knew that we were going to have good surroundings. That's something that I can't, I, I can't stress enough. 
and I think they're just going to have some insights in there that, that they can pick up from a day-to-day of living in that particular area that, that even an experienced agent, uh, they won't know the street as well as, as that neighbour knows who's lived there for 20 years. So that's a really good tip. So go and go and uh, knock on the door, say good day, and, um, and get to know the area a little bit better. That's well, I'll great. tell you what, particularly the first house we bought in Gaimia Bay, um, the first lady I spoke to had lived there for 45 years, and then she was able to give me the entire street little vicinity history, and it was just gold. Where we live now at Green Hills Beach, we spoke to a lady, and she was, she built the second house in the street, and so, of course, she's given me the, the lowdown, the rundown on everything, and uh, it just helps you bite the bullet when you're making that final decision of paying the you know, 5 or 10% deposit. I think people are proud of their area too, so they'll tell you the you know the things they love about living in the area and why they love living there. Um, particularly if you're forty plus years in one particular area, they um, they have some great stories there. Now we're moving to uh, the next step in in the cycle for you guys, heading out and starting um, your own agency. Take me back. What what brought that about? Was it a, a beer at a pub conversations over a few years? How did we get to to this point? It happened pretty quickly, really. COVID has brought some some pretty challenging things on a lot of people, but um, for Jed and I both, I think we saw some opportunity in it. As Jed mentioned before, stock levels were down significantly, almost 50%. While there was going to be less on the market, it just seemed like there was maybe some opportunity for us to follow that career progression that you did. You mentioned in the intro. And you know, here we are, eight, 10 weeks on, and you know, we're very close to being able to, to push the go button. I mean, the name surely was just a given, right? Like uh, it had to be, had to be that name. Yeah, yeah we, we we tossed up wooden fox or fox and wood, but wooden fox sounded like an actual wooden fox. Wooden fox, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could be the uh, the settlement gift or something, could it? Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Switch it around. Starting out and heading back out there. What are some experiences it going to take that are going to make sure that you're successful going forward? Good question. One of the things that I found uh, in my 15-year selling career from 2005 through to 2020 was that you know, it wasn't an overnight success. Um, it's like a 10-year progression. Uh, but what I found was that I was really caught up in the volume and turnover and working for somebody else, working for somebody else. yet you almost had to have a lot of turnover to make profit and you needed a team and you were delegating a lot of things and what I was promising to a potential seller, I then had no faith in somebody else living up to that expectation. Where Danny and I are going to be much more small, agile, profitable, but really hands-on. So we're not going to be focused on high volume of turnover. It'll be high touch, high service, really, really good results. And then I suppose the word of mouth will will help us build from there. Um, But Speaking to you know people out in the marketplace who have sold a property, um, not necessarily through me or um, previous employer, but you know through big companies, they felt like a number, and they were on a production line, just getting churned and burned. Whereas you know, real estate's a hell of an ex- a hell of an experience. It's a very personal experience. So Danny and I have made a decision. We want to be really hands on with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I was just saying in the last episode, it is a big responsibility being an agent. This is a this is somebody's life in your in your hands as far as one of the biggest assets that they own. Um, yeah. they're, they're changing properties only a few times in their life, so it's um, a yeah, big responsibility to take that part on. 
Um, I, I want to pick your guys' brains. You've got so much experience here today, so I just wanted to get your insights. Um, let's start, first of all, from the seller, Danny. If I'm looking to sell my property, what are some ways um, that you see you're consistently advising people to do prior to listing their property? So in terms of presentation or? Yeah. Yeah, presentation is probably the cornerstone or the, the start of actually getting a premium price. So no, not every home has to look exactly the same, but I think just a less is more concept, so minimizing the extra stuff. And there's a concept that Jed and I talk about with vendors of switching from live mode to sell mode. Like if you went to my house right now, it's an absolute nightmare, but I'm not selling my home tomorrow. If we were then going to get ready to sell, we'd be taking some of the furniture out. You're probably giving it a touch-up of paint. You might be buying some new homewares to, to make it look as good as it possibly can because then when Jed and I come in to then promote the property, um, it makes it far easier to attract buyers and then the process continues. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you want to make it as simple for somebody to move into this home and, and then envisaging himself living in that particular property? Yeah, exactly. And I should say as well that you can overcapitalize on that. And that's why speaking to an agent that has got some experience in that field is going to ultimately benefit you in the end financially. If I could add to that, just getting a full building and pest inspection report done on the property sure. along with the Angu presentation because uh, things that can come up in a building and pest report will cost you thousands of dollars. Once you've got a buyer that's potentially emotionally connected, you don't want them to be blocked in that next stage. So have that done up front before you list the property so you know what yep. uh, what these buyers will be looking at. Yeah, it's a good insurance policy for a vendor, $450. They've got a full report and they've almost got not necessarily a to-do list but uh, an awareness list. And for an agent to, to actually be able to represent a seller and to be able to negotiate, they've got to become an overnight expert in that property and know absolutely everything because the second a buyer comes to an agent and says, I've had a building and pest report, did you know this? You've lost that negotiation already. Whereas from day one, if you can say, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, here's a free building and pest report. In the report, you'll see this, this and this. We've taken that into account with um, pricing the property and it's a much better conversation to have on day one than three weeks into the campaign. So you're mitigating that up front and, and basing the price on that 100%. rather than backstepping after after an office success. Yeah, let's go worst case scenario. If a house is riddled with termite damage, it's much better, better me pricing the home accordingly and saying to a buyer, the house has got termites. Yeah, then them falling in love with the home first week, they come back the second week, they spend 500 bucks on a building and pest report, they get it back, they see that the house has got some issues, all of a sudden it's virtually impossible to pull their interest back to the level that it was in week one and two. Jed, when we're looking at selling a home, um, we can either go through the private tree, so we can just list the home, or we can go via option. How does a seller determine which way is best for them? Well, I think each individual seller's circumstances, personalities need to be taken into account. Um, but to speak broadly, the statistics are pretty hard to argue with. Properties that are sold by way of auction sold in average, on average, thirty days, and that's not my personal. That's market statistics and properties which are private treaty are sold in 90 days. So most sellers that you talk to when you dig down, they want the very best price, shortest time frame possible with a competitive environment um, surrounding that. And of course, auction is that scenario. But to dig just a little bit deeper, years and years ago, yeah, early 2000s, we weren't doing a lot of auctions in the Sutherland Shire and we'd put properties on the market for 599000 We'd have 50 people turn up to the open house. We'd have multiple people making offers. It was an auction without an auctioneer. The distrust or the, the grey area, the things that were going on in behind closed doors, 
conversations that couldn't be seen or heard by anybody else. There was a, there was a real challenge there. So I think auction has removed those challenges because it is out in the open. Everyone's playing by the same rules of engagement. But you know, winding back the clock to those years, the solution to the auction without an auctioneer was doing a tender. And actually the property that we bought in Gaimi Bay was sold by way of tender. Um, we put in a blind offer against goodness knows how many other people, um, received the phone call, congratulations, you bought the house. We had what's called buyer's remorse. We actually didn't want to go ahead with that property because we thought, oh, no, how much how much have we overpaid for this house? Because we couldn't see the social proof of other people bidding in a crowd. So we very nearly didn't go ahead with that sale uh, or that purchase, I should say, because it was a blind auction. You had no idea if you were... Thousand over, exactly, or fifty thousand over on that purchase. So, for you, you see uh, an advantage in auction of just that clarity uh, to the buyers. They can see the other bidders out there; they're competing face to face, and and the top dollar wins on the day. Absolutely, and the vendor is still protected by their reserve price. They're they're not going to give it away. Um, So, there's benefits for both both parties, in my opinion. But yeah, I appreciate not all personalities. You know, uh, are going to feel comfortable with it and, and that's our job as agents to really guide them through that process. Having both bought properties and, and gone through that process yourself and sitting in the game for so long, Danny, I want to get your understanding of what are some must-haves for you? So what are some things in a property that you are, are non-negotiables? Yeah, it's, that's a good question because I, like, I meet a lot, of, a lot of buyers that go through that and sometimes they're... Yeah, their, their requirements or what they think are their non-negotiables are beyond their budget. So I'd say for any buyer, it's really about looking at what you can spend um, and then writing a list of what you're not willing to negotiate on. So if I use myself as an example, the current property that I'm in now, I definitely wanted to be in Cronulla. I definitely wanted a double garage because it drives me insane getting home from late and having to park a kilometre away. And I, I definitely wanted to have a backyard like that. Those were the requirements. Um, it didn't matter whether it was north or south. didn't matter if it was unit or townhouse, but those were the non-negotiables. So it was working out whether within my budget I could get those features and then working on it from there. Same thing with the first place that I bought. Like I just wanted to get into the market, wanted to be in Cronulla as well. Didn't care if it was one or two bedrooms, but I just didn't want to overspend. All I wanted was a garage, Cronulla, and a balcony. That was that was it. So um, keep it nice and simple. Let's not have three pages of yeah, exactly. must-haves. Just get those three or four key points. That yeah, and if you, if you go a little bit deeper to the reason for those, the first one was just getting into the market. I was spending a lot of time at Cronulla when I wasn't working, which was pretty minimal, but I wanted to be able to walk to the beach and restaurants and all that sort of stuff. Fast forward to the second property, got a dog, planning to have a, have a child, which I've got now, and still wanted to be able to walk to everything. So, was, you know, those, those are the important things for me. It's about what's important to the individual. Let's flip back over on the other <laughs> side, Jed, for uh, red flags. So um, is there some red flags when you're looking for a property that, that just says, you know what, this isn't, this isn't the one for me? Uh, yeah, probably something that comes to mind straight away is that if it's a quick turnover, if, a, if a, it, it, you, know, you can do a fair bit of research on real estate and anything nowadays, but if somebody's been in a, short, in a property for a short period of time, we'll dig a little deeper as to you know, why it's only been six months or a couple of years because properties generally don't turn over that quickly. Then I'll, the, the next one is also smells within a property, particularly a damp smell. That is something that uh, I think is is something to be really aware of, particularly with properties on the side of a, a cliff or something like that because it's you know, a water problem will ruin a lot of your furniture, your carpet, and it's just so hard to fix. 
um, as far as red flags, otherwise, two good ones, two very good ones. Yeah, so, yeah. Don't just look, maybe smell as well. It's a good one. Yeah, I like it. I just look into strata reports and for if it's a if it's a strata property and building and pest inspection reports for any property that you're going to look at buying, and I, I'd almost be concerned if an agent isn't willing to help you on that process. And Jed sitting in the property market all, all day, people must be coming up to you constantly wanting to talk property. What's that one bit of advice that's just been a shocker? That the property market will eventually go down. Uh, it's incredible over the course of time how often I'll hear that. And it might even come from somebody that's a seasoned veteran of you know, 60, 70 years of age and they're, protect, they're trying to protect their children. No, don't, don't buy now. Property will go down. And, I, and I'll really politely say to that person, Sir, ma'am, do you remember when you bought your first property? Oh, yeah, I do. And I say, was it in pounds or dollars? And they go, no, dollars. Well, how much was it? And they go, oh, back in 1980, my first house was $7,000. Okay, great. So what do you reckon that property is worth now? And then you know, quite often they'll get a sense of where I'm leading them to. And I'll say, oh, I don't want to answer. It's different now. It's different now. So but let's say it's worth a million dollars. Would that be about right? Oh, yeah, probably 1.2. And you're trying to talk your son or daughter or whatever it might be out of making their first property purchase for $700,000 because you think it's too much. I've heard that uh, there's another saying similar to that which says buy land because they're not making any more of it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Danny, new company starting up. What's next for you guys? Basically just to get, it, get on the phones as soon as we possibly can. Um, Jed, what's planned for the, the rest of 2020? It's been a crazy first half. So for you guys leading in, we've got a brand new fresh slate, literally new company ready to go. What's what's happening for the rest of the year? So we've got a uh, marketing plan or really an action plan of, of letterbox dropping, door knocking, telephone calls, just starting with our first listing and trying to build some momentum on the back of that. Uh, we're, a fr- we're essentially a fresh start. And so whoever our first couple of clients are, gee, they're going to be getting some five-star service, if not, you know, 10-star service um, for, 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 for their experience. Yeah, but you're itching to just get that first uh, first listing done and first uh, first sale out of the way. I'm sure you're, you're eager eager to get that off, off the market. 100%. Yeah. Um, guys, thanks so much for coming in today. I really appreciate your insight. Um, so much experience and, and, and knowledge in the property. But, yeah, the, the information you're saying is timeless. Uh, it was probably the, just as current 10 years ago and in 10 years' time it will still be current. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank um, you. Just for people who have been listening in today, what's that one bit of advice that's always been timeless in, in relation to property, Danny, that, that you think people could take away from today? Look, I, I think if you can do it, just get in. Um, just, you know, even if you're starting small, the property that you buy today is going to be the stepping stone into the next one and into the next one and into the next one. Like Jed touched on a couple of minutes ago, like just over time your property will appreciate in value and it's going to help you gain wealth. Jed? Pretty similar situation. You know, if I had a gun that I could put to your head so you bought real estate, you'd thank me in five or ten years. Uh, two previous colleagues that worked alongside of me, I, I really, I won't say pushed or pressured, but I coerced them and suggested strongly that they invest in real estate. And five and seven years on, they're both doing extraordinarily well for themselves. It is just a springboard to your life, uh, really reaching some of its potential. Fantastic. Great advice, guys. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, my mobile is probably the best one, so 0408 718 118 or the email is danny at foxandwood.com.au, D-A-N-N-Y. Fantastic, Jen. Yeah, my mobile phone number is 0499 
jed at foxandwood.com.au. We'll have a Facebook and Instagram uh, page. Hopefully, yeah. Very, very soon. It'll all just be Fox and Wood, so you'll find us. Excellent. (laughs) Search for that. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.